Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. She is a professor at Rutgers and the author of In Search of the Color Purple, the story of an American masterpiece. Let me welcome Professor Salamisha Tillett. Welcome. Hi. Hi, welcome. How are you? Good. Uh, did I pronounce your first name correctly? Yes, you did it perfectly. Thank you. Oh. What's the origin of your name? My my name, um, my parents put three words together. So Salam is Arabic for peace. Shah is Farsi or, or Persian for majestic or royal. And then they interpreted the me as black. So so if you ask my parents, my name means peace, black, majestic. <laughs> I love black people. <laughs> we know how to make something good out of a whole lot of things to put it together. I appreciate that. Uh, Papa and Mama Tillett. Uh, so The Color Purple is one of my favorite movies of all time. And mm-hmm. I want to thank uh, our, our guest yesterday, uh, Nichelle, uh, who told me about Alice Walker. And I went home and downloaded. Well, I didn't go home. I just walked over there and downloaded Meridian, uh, Alice mm-hmm. Walker's work. And I was like, well, how did I miss this my whole life? So I'm I'm loving every day. I'm like, another thing to learn. So the book, The Color Purple, a lot of controversy, a lot of people, especially black men, not feeling it, feeling they get a, they got a raw deal. And you tackled it as a whole thing. Mm-hmm. Why? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, like you, I mean, okay, one thing I've, I've found through this process is that black people love the color purple, right? Like they, I, I didn't, I love the color purple, but I didn't know how many black people love the color purple today. And so I wanted to tell the story of a book that was both celebrated and deeply controversial, right? So Alice Walker writes this book. It comes out in 1982. She's the first Black woman to win the Pulitzer in fiction. She gets the National Book Award. And as you know, it goes on to become a film made by Steven Spielberg and Quincy Jones, nominated for 11 Oscars, doesn't win one, um, doesn't win any. And then goes on to being a, a Tony award-winning musical. So in the story of Black writing and Black literature, that's a pretty astonishing story, right? Of just achieving all this stuff. Black people, um, despite the controversies that I talk about in the book, really liked the book, liked the movie, um, and then came out in droves to see it on Broadway. So that's one story of The Color Purple. And at the same time, you know, this book comes out at the height of Reagan, the Reaganomics, um, a particular way, a particular time in which Black people were really under siege by the police. Um, there are all these ways in which the welfare queen was a stereotype, uh, myths and stereotypes about uh, crack cocaine in the Black community, crack baby. So there's all this stuff going, and it also just a time of the beginning of what we now know as um, the carceral state in a particular way for Black people, right? The ramping down in which Black people, particularly Black men, were being um, taken and incarcerated in record numbers. So all of that's the mix of the color purple. So when this book comes out, um, it's seen as something, and in the, really the movie, it's seen as something that isn't gonna be celebrated in certain quarters because one, the novel and the movie deals with sexual violence. And two, the other major controversy was um, that Suge and Celie's relationship. So Celie is not only a sexual assault survivor, but that she finds her healing through uh, her relationship with another woman. So those two things made it such a, a controversy because it wasn't seen as something that was in support of what people believe the black family should look like, 
Um, and also it was seen as anti-Black men because there was the risk that was reinforcing stereotypes of Black men as hyper-violent um, and also um, the, the most damning stereotype of Black men of all is that, um, that they're rapists, that they can't control their sexuality. And so there was a, a big fear that Alice Walker was reproducing those stereotypes as opposed to showing Black women suffering. And as I, you know, you, you watch the, the character of Mr. Um, mm. played brilliantly by Danny Glover, you know, I, I think about all of the, I think about my grandmother who had her first kid at 12, mm. right? And I don't know that she had a choice or agency. And if I mm. think about it long enough, I know that she didn't agree to that relationship. Now that first child mm. wasn't with my grandfather, but he was still 15 years older when he married her and then mm. produced seven more children, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. And I think about, she wasn't alone. Her sister had the same situation in South Carolina, didn't go mm. to school. In all of these backwoods places in America, the silence of those women to even have a place to go if you were in a situation that you couldn't control. Who do you call? Who mm. was there? So Alice mm. Walker's writing about a, a, a situation that was real to not talk about it because it, you know, feeds into a trope. There are conversations that we need to have that we haven't had as we start to talk about healing, mm. as we start to talk about healing this nation, black people's trauma has to be at the forefront of the discussion and Absent of anybody else's uh, incursion or uh, view, like I don't want to hear from anybody else. We need to have this conversation now. Yeah, and I think we are the beneficiaries of those conversations that were those debates that they were having in the eighties. But when yeah. she was having them, it, you know, there were two other novels I would like to bring up: The Invisible Man, um, where you have a, a character called True Blood who sexually assaults his daughter. And then obviously in 1970, The Bluest Eye uh, by Toni Morrison. Um, so there weren't a lot of discussions about sexual violence or trauma before we get to this period of the 1980s with the color purple. So, so it wasn't, black people had been experiencing it, but there wasn't, it wasn't, you know, you, we didn't know the expression airing dirty laundry. Like that was not something that was seen as helpful to racial progress for some black people, for other, Black people, Antizaka Shange, Alice Walker, Audre Lorde, Toni Morrison. It was seen as something, James Baldwin, it was seen as something that we had to tackle. If we wanted to be free in America, we also had to unburden ourselves of the suffering that we were doing beyond white people's gaze. We had to just be our full selves. And so I think we're the beneficiaries of that. Now it seems impossible that The Color Purple was so controversial. But at the time, she was crossing picket lines to go see her own film. But is it, oh, I'm sorry, but but is it not? Is the controversy over? You know, we're still dealing with mm-hmm. you know, n- n- say her name, mm-hmm. because there is still to this day a disparity, and I don't spend a lot mm-hmm. of time talking about it because we got a lot of fish to fry in these three hours Monday through Friday. But uh, how we look at one another, and how we treat one another, and how we love and don't love one another. Mm-hmm. will determine whether or not the freedom that we all seek happens. It's going to start with mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Drew. I just, mm-hmm. I just said No, I was, I was thinking about the, us being the beneficiaries of, to a certain extent, of the controversy of this happening before, because I think that we don't get, we don't get to, the, to a space where we can actually talk about, um, talk about the over-sexualization of, of young Black women without 
without some of the conversations that Alice Walker and the Color Purple forced into the into the um, um, into black households, right? Mm. Because everybody watching the Color Purple, somebody else has a Color Purple story, right? Mm. And we don't we get that's how we get past. Oh, that happened to her because she was fast. No, that didn't happen to her because she was fast. That happened to her because um, this this grown man was over-sexualizing this child, right? And so I, I remember thinking Wait. about all of, all of the, you know, and raping her, right? Like, it, I remember thinking about all of the folks who were saying Alice Walker's a man-hater when, uh, when The Color Purple came out. I remember it, it, it being so, such a big deal of everybody, you, people even like saying Danny Glover shouldn't have played the part. Like, or that he talks about all the heat he got for how well he played that role from women, but also from men who said, you shouldn't have, you shouldn't have taken that because now we all look like that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. it's, it's amazing. In the process of this, of putting this together, was Alice, was Alice Walker, did she have a, did she have a renewed way of thinking about what, what the book, the impact that the book had then now looking back right mm -hmm. yeah thank you for that question you know when I went to interview her she was like what else is there to say about the color purple and I was like there's so much to say about the color purple obviously like I, I'm really excited to talk about it with you um so two things happened in that interview and uh, one was that uh so it was a two-day interview and the second day she started thinking of her grandmother who Celie's based on and she started tearing up because she felt like what her goal in The Color Purple was to do was one, write a book in the language of her mother, right? And, and, the, and the black Southern vernacular that her mother could, could hear and understand in print. And two, the other thing was to tell the story, to, to give her grandmother, Rachel, uh, a life that she never really had in the real world. She wanted to, to, to fictionalize Celie's entire arc of being um, someone who was traumatized to someone who was whole. She wanted to give that to, to Rachel. And so she started tearing up in the interview and it was like, wow, this is really so close to her. Cause these were not just a characters. These were people inspired by her family members. Um, so I think when I asked her about the controversy, um, unlike when she probably experienced it in real time, she's over the controversy in the sense, right? Like she kind of, she knows that they were wrong and that the, the story has proven the naysayers the popularity of the story and the endurance of the story have proven the naysayers wrong, right? Like th their concerns, um, while valid given the history of American racism, mm -hmm. um, weren't necessarily valid in the context of her book. Um, so I think she probably feels like in some ways, like I can not talk about the color purple ever again, but also feels like that Celie's story and Albert's story, which I, I wrote a piece in the Times on, on, that just came out today in print, about Albert, um, who she calls Mr. throughout the most of the novel. And um, Karen, you, you pointed out Danny Glover's amazing performance. Um, I wrote a, a, an article about Albert being a figure in this age of Me Too, um, and not just in the age of Me Too, but this in, in this age in which we're trying to hold people who have harmed us accountable. What a remarkable figure she gave us, what a remarkable character to have a, to have a, a person who wanted to atone for the harm they caused. And not just want to, but actually goes through a whole arc and whole storyline of accountability, of amends. And at the end of the musical and at the end of the book, 
the movie's a little bit trickier here, but at the end of the musical and the book, he's part of that community because he helped actually create it. He brings back her family. He brings back Nettie and he brings back her children. So I think between Celie and Albert, in this moment, we have two remarkable figures who give us a way to, to reconcile and to heal both as individuals, as a people, and ultimately as a nation. Now, the United States, whether it'll rise to the occasion of the color purple is a different story. But I do think for Black people, we can find hope and redemption through these characters. We're talking yeah. Sal Salamisha uh, Tillett, and you can follow her at her first name, Salamisha, because no one else has it. S-A-L-A-M-I-S-H-A-H. <laughs> Um, before Drew, you ask your question, how many times have you read the, the color purple Salamisha? Me? Oh, I don't, so many. And I, and I first read it. I wonder if, you know, when you, you think about when you first read a certain book, I read it alongside Toni Morrison's The Bluest Eye and Malcolm X's autobiography. So I was 15 years old when I read those three books. Were they assigned um, in your high school? No, my cousin's girlfriend gave them to me. I think I was like going through this identity crisis and she was like, here, read these books, you know? And so they changed my life, like, you know, to read those three at the same time, because it, and I, you were talking about Malcolm um, right before I came on, right? So just, it just opens up your whole world. And I think as like a black girl, I knew sexism, I knew racism. But those three uh, books at the, reading at the same time gave me the language to understand what I was experiencing. And then my senior year, so I read them uh, the summer of uh, right before my senior year of high school. And then my senior year of high school, two tragic events happened. One, we have Anita Hill um, going forward and testifying before the Senate Judiciary Committee with allegations of um, sexual harassment with Clarence Thomas. And that's the fall of my senior year. And the spring of my senior year is the LA Rebellion. So I, I don't know. I mean, those are just seismic things unto themselves. But I had these three books that then helped me understand to a certain degree what was happening. And, and what you're saying as you're talking about it is why people shouldn't opt out of reading and, and history, because if you are a lawmaker or you're a judge or you're a police mm -hmm. officer who have none of this, none of this literature, or mm. in the case of the autobiography of Malcolm X, which should be mandatory mm. as part of your, your, your experience. How do you see the world if mm. you don't see the world in its completeness because you've actually ingested these things? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, yes. I'm, uh, as a professor, I would say, please read. Um, but as a, a citizen, I, I think you spoke to the power of knowing your history and knowing our history and how that shapes how we act and treat each other today. So yeah, I agree. It's crazy. To, it's also crazy to me that so there was so much judgment about the color purple and by people who at that particular time had not read the book. And if you mm. only look at the movie, then you don't you don't really feel the redemption of the Mr. Character, right? Mm -hmm. like you don't really see that at all. I, I'm. I always go back to um, with the color purple that every every sort of iteration, I feel like um, you hope that it doesn't get sanitized, right? That it doesn't sanitize all of the all of the the beauty and the pain out of it. I'm curious if Alice Walker had a perspective on whether or not she felt the black community, what the black communities um 
reaction to the lesbianism and to the and in the in the color purple because that was a huge piece of what a lot of people rejected about that book too right she forced black people a lot of black people into a position of particularly black women of ooh, do i support it because i believe these things are important about women or i gotta deal with the with the discomfort i feel about all of this lesbian sex that's in it because the book go way further on the lesbian sex than the um than the movie uh or the play of course does right no you, yeah you're right and you know that's the, the the she she had so much going on she had um a, the the language of the book told through Seely's point of view and i write in my book how essence magazine rejects the excerpt because they're like black people don't talk like that so she already has one challenge she breaks one taboo She's putting black Southern speech in print, as I said before. Zora Neale Hurston, has... much? Hold on, Zora Neale Hurston. Yeah, yeah Zora Neale Hurston. Yeah, so so I mean, thank you for bringing up Zora Neale Hurston. One that was like, you know, in the spirit of uh, Alice Walker. She she's she she loved Zora Neale Hurston and and in many ways revived Zora Neale Hurston for a new generation. But even in Zora's, uh, their eyes were watching God. We don't have the entire novel from that that language. We have parts of the novel right um and then zora obviously in mules and men and, and other places really gives us this rich folk culture but we'd yet to see an american novel the full novel told from that point of view so um and also in the 1980s people weren't you know they were beginning to really check out zora neale hurston now we think of it like of course she's like the great of all the greats right of the harlem renaissance but then you know it was really alice walker who help revive her for a new generation of, of readers. Um, so that's one thing. Two, we have incest or and sexual assault and domestic violence. And then three, you're right to point out um, the relationship between Celie and Suge. So Suge is a bisexual or queer character in, in the book and, and Celie is, 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 is lesbian. And it's the first novel, African-American novel, we have a black lesbian character in a relationship with another black woman. There was a, a book that came out in the 1970s um, by Anne Elaine Shockley called Loving Her. And that was an interracial relationship between two women. And Alice Walker reviews it. Um, but this is the first time we have two black women loving each other so explicitly in print and then in film. So that was just like mind blowing. And then Alice at the same time is, you know, she's dealing with her own sexuality and she's wondering, she's in a relationship with Robert Allen but she feels like she has desires to be with women. And so she's grappling with what that means. And then her mother who's sick and is um, in Georgia is being taken care of by their cousin who is lesbian. And the mother, her mother who she she's writing this novel for is also very homophobic. So Alice Walker, the writer and the woman is like dealing with all of these things as the same at the same moment she's very clear that she wants to show Celia and Shug's love as tender as healing as redemptive so whether I don't know if Alice was anticipating the backlash but I do think that she was taken aback by it she was you know I me mean, of course we're black people and she was a black woman so she knew people were homophobic but I don't know in the process of writing it that she had to keep that far away from her to be able to write the book. And then when the backlash hit, I think she was surprised by how venomous and vitriolic it was. That's um, how you know it's, it's fake, right? So they don't <laughs> protest too much because they want to publicly let you know. 866-801-8255, how they feel. Well, 
what was the decision to to have Gloria Steinem do the introduction to In Search of the Color Purple? So Gloria and Alice are, are very good friends, but also one of the things that I thought was interesting through the process of writing this book was that when Essence rejects Alice Walker's The Color Purple, um, Alice had been an editor at Ms. Magazine that Gloria Steinem founded. Um, Gloria Steinem was a huge champion and proponent of Alice Walker's work. In addition to their friendship, her work. Um, and so Ms. put uh, Alice Walker on the cover to celebrate this novel. And Gloria Steinem did a lot of work writing publishers, trying to uh, write to the publicity team to celebrate the color purple. And so I have a personal relationship with Gloria and Gloria was a bridge between me and Alice. And so I thought, wow, what an interesting way to continue that tradition by having Gloria who was so intimately tied to the publication of the book, the publicity of The Color Purple, but also she was, there, her friendship with Alice was one of the primary accusations leveled against Alice, that Alice wasn't um, black enough, that Alice must hate black men because she's in cahoots with this white feminist who's anti-man. And so the journey of the, my book, The Color Purple, is also to show the ways in which these friendships and these relationships um, really impacted how the book was received for better or for worse. Um, and on the other side of that, I guess I would say it was really important for me to have Quincy Jones and Danny Glover in this book. And I, and I interviewed them both because another thing I didn't realize, so if I didn't realize how important Gloria was to protecting Alice, but also to, to pushing the book out into the world and for us to receive it, I didn't realize how integral um, Quincy Jones and Danny Glover were in the making of what we saw um, on the screen. And Quincy Jones, this was his first film that he had produced. And he really, 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 really wanted to have a black cast film receive the accolades and the admiration and the attention that black actors deserve. And so he fell in love with the story of The Color Purple. Um, and he gave a lot, and if you watch the Quincy documentary, you you see when he's he, he does The Color Purple, and then he ends up getting a divorce right afterwards, like that he'd given so much of himself to this project. And then Danny Glover is just a special person in general, but yes. Danny Glover took on this, this story uh, and he said he wanted to imbue Albert with a dignity um, that the character deserved. But what he found in The Color Purple was, he, you know, um, Danny Glover, as many of you know, he, he grew up in um, California but he would spend his summers in Georgia, not too far away from where Alice grew up. His grandmother, his grandparents lived there. And in Seeley, who was born the same year as his grandmother, he found someone who he, to whom he could pay homage to his grandmother through. And so I just thought that was quite beautiful, right? That you have these two African-American men who were actually shepherds of this story, despite the fact that um, it was seen as anti-Black man or anti-Black male by many people at the time. What was the most, um, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead, quickly. I was gonna say, what was the what was the the most surprising thing that you learned from Quincy Jones about put about producing this? Because I know that there was a lot that went into getting this over the fence, including getting Alice Walker's permission to do it. Yeah, I mean, I guess the most important, well, most, you said the most surprising thing I learned about this from Quincy Jones. I mean, I guess this is a technical thing, but he was producing the film and then he realized later on that he had to score it as well right and so that's part of like the reason that there was like this huge like 
breakdown, I think, and, and, and the exhaustion that Quincy Jones felt is because they because he was doing so much work to create this film. And also, I guess the other thing was that he um, was protecting to a certain degree Alice and Steven Spielberg. Like he was getting a lot of the criticism. There's an organization called um, well, Coalition Against Black Exploitation that literally is created to boycott this film, right? Like this, that ex organization didn't exist before and it didn't really exist after. I was like, where so are they he, now? We could sure yeah. use them. Yeah, right. Like I was like, oh, they, they continue to do the good work in the world. No, but um, they, so he was staving off that criticism. He was getting letters, he was getting um, potential petitions. He was getting a lot of that uh, stuff while they're making the film and while they're um, editing it. So he was doing a lot of work to protect the artist, um, which makes sense as a producer, but I don't know. It's just, it was a different Quincy Jones for me that um, I was able to appreciate different, you know, he's a genius in so many ways, but his intimate connection to this book uh, and to this, this film was really uh, new for me. Well, I listen, I appreciate the, the amount of scholarship that went into this and I uh, invite people to go get it. It is called, in Search of the Color Purple, the Story of an American Masterpiece, uh, Professor Dr. Salamisha Tillett <laughs> at Rutgers. Thank you for being here. And let's come back and talk about the next project that you're working on. Hey, this is Karen Hunter. You can listen to The Karen Hunter Show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.